Hey everyone, thanks for joining us for Let's Talk Recovery. My name's Aaron, this is Caleb. We're just grateful just to be with you guys today. Um, as we get started, um, one thing you might notice is it's not 7 a.m. when we're dropping this. Um, we had an incredible men's conference last week. It was really great. We're going to use that for an excuse today. For yeah, being late, so. I'll use whatever for an excuse. Yeah. Um, check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, um, wherever you uh, you know just uh, consume your social media content, you know, whatever. Alter your lane, your life down a sacrifice, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, and I was looking at some reports last week. Man, I spend like an average of over four hours a day of screen time on my phone. It's really sad. Um, so whatever you're spending, dedicate part of that to our content. That's right. If you're gonna if you're gonna waste your life, yeah, waste it with us. Waste it with us. Um, <laughs> See, I was going somewhere with that. Check us out on podcast, yeah. Apple, Google, Spotify. Um, and then um, be sure to also check out Kayla's book, Pursuing Freedom, on Amazon. Um, and uh, just devote some time again to, to rooting out whatever is in your life that's um, holding you back, keeping you from um, just uh, experiencing the fullness of what God has for you. It's, it's great. Um, you can listen to some other episodes to get raving reviews. I suck at it, but other people are really good. Yeah. Um, not That's me, true. but <laughs> it's um, true. Well, it is, uh, we're, we're coming into uh, a special time as Christians. It's our Super Bowl season. Um, and as we were kind of looking for content on our podcast, one of the things that kind of struck me is I remember not so long ago, really being confused by some words that I would hear coming into this season. And one of the things I know is uh, a lot of you, um, like like me, um, you weren't raised in church and um, this is this is newer to you or, or maybe you've been in church a long time, you didn't pay very good attention um, and you just kind of failed as a person or whatever that, now, whatever that may be. But um, coming on um, this week, we're having what we call Passion Week and uh, or Holy Week. Um, and it, you know, gets caught, kicked off with uh, Palm Sunday, and so as we're kind of coming through the week, you're gonna you're gonna hear different terms. We looked up some earlier. I didn't write any of them down. I remember what was the Thursday one? Oh, Maudie Thursday. Maudie Thursday. I That's don't know. a Catholic term. Yeah, it is. But so. So you'll hear all this like ridiculous stuff. You know, so what is that? Or what does Mon- that mean? Maundy. Maundy. Maundy Thursday. I don't know. M a u n d y Thursday. Whatever that is. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so we're going to look at that. You know, what is what is Passion Week? What is Palm Sunday? What is Good Friday? Um, what's the significance of Easter Sunday and the resurrection? So we're going to spend the next two episodes, so this Friday and next, kind of going over um, these different elements of, of Passion Week. And you may be like, well, why is this so significant? Um, well, it's significant to us because it was significant to, to God, to Jesus. If you look at the Gospels, um, one of the things that you may not have ever noticed, but one-third of your Gospels, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are actually devoted to Jesus' last week, to Passion Week. Well, we have a... Primarily, we've got a three-year window of Jesus' life, right? He started his ministry um, around his 30s, and, and three years later, he's crucified. And so one-third of that is spent on one week. I mean, you talk about 156 weeks, potentially, um, and one of them stands out so much more above the rest. So there's 89 chapters in all of our Gospels, 29 of them on the final week. And so clearly some significant things took place there, um, significant enough that we should just maybe take a little bit of time and uh, look at them. So anything you want to open with? No, I mean, no, I mean you know, uh, obviously, like Aaron was saying, this is kind of our Super Bowl. It's our Super Bowl Sunday um, as far as, like, this is – I mean, because um, – 
This is what differentiates Christianity. So Jesus' ministry doesn't matter. Jesus' birth doesn't matter. His time on earth doesn't matter if he's not resurrected. I'm right. going to do a sound clip of just Caleb. Yeah. And I'm going to cut that last part out. Be like, so I don't know why Caleb's such a heretic. For our pastor. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm saying, though, but, you know, it, it, all the stuff that led up to resurrection doesn't, doesn't, it only matters in the light of the fact that Jesus was resurrected. If Jesus is not resurrected, and Paul says as much, is Jesus is, if there is no truth to the resurrection, then we're, we're to be uh, pitied. Yeah. That's the word that Paul used, I think. And, um, so everything, everything hinges, as far as Christians are concerned, everything hinges on the resurrection of Jesus. And so, um, and then, um, as we'll get into this uh, this episode, uh, the Passion Week, you know, Jesus obviously knew what his what his mission was and what his purpose on earth was, and 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 what the timeline was. And so you see, a really, actually, there's intention behind um, the week leading up to the crucifixion that Jesus accomplished things in a certain order in order to make those to, to get to that point um, knowing that that was that was ultimately what his his end on earth was going to be um, and so yeah this is why obviously everything is like I said you know in the gospels it takes up so much of of that is because it's 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 everything to us right I mean because without the resurrection then then, then Christianity is not not a thing. So. Yeah, Jesus was just another guy, right? <laughs> um, and so there are a lot of things. Kayla said, you know, that that was kind of building up to this, right? Jesus had that three year ministry window, um, but things kind of had to um, crescendo, right, at the right time to line up with with prophecy. Um, and different scripture we see in the Old Testament and everything had to be just right. Um, it's amazing. You probably know because you're much more a numbers guy than me. How many prophecies did Jesus fulfill? Uh, it was like 360 yeah. some yeah, just an incredible amount. And so here we are. I mean, and the time of Jesus' death was, was a part of that. Mm. Um, but even in the last week, we've kind of got like the final nail in the coffin or final nail on the cross, however you want to do that. And um, <laughs> such a terrible dad yeah, joke. <laughs> uh, but the, something that just kind of pushed it over the edge. You know, Jesus was actually, I mean, he's causing a lot of trouble with religious leaders, with the with the Pharisees, Sadducees, you know, Sanhedrin as a whole. Um and there, there was things taking place that was kind of just pushing it, pushing it, pushing it until it's breaking point. And uh, until recently, I didn't realize what really one of the last, um, what the last breaking point really was. And it was actually um, the resurrection of, of Lazarus. Um, and so, you know, just uh, right before this, like the, the week leading up to um, Passion Week, Jesus um, raised him from the dead. You know, we have Mary and Martha, and they were friends of Jesus um, along with their brother. And he, he passed away, and, and that resurrection was not the first time Jesus raised somebody from the dead, but the first time that it was public to, right. um, to the degree that this was. And in John eleven forty five through 46, we see many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this, but some went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. And so if you read on from John 11, um, starting in verse 47, you begin to see like, I mean, this this is like the plot. This is this is what um, set the whole thing ablaze. And I'm like, all right, we're done. Um, issue a decree. If anyone sees Jesus, we want to know. We're going to arrest him. Um, like this is it's on now because um, we, we can't stand for this. And the reason being, I mean, again, is now Jesus has made all these statements declaring that he's God. I mean, the people that seen this miracle, they they're believing that he's the Son of God, and it just it just continues to push it um, in in this uh, this direction that that ends so violently. Yeah. It, it, 
<clears throat> like you're talking about the you know Jesus's ministry up to Passion Week um, somewhat mimics Passion Week in that um, as you read the Gospels like I said everything happens according to Jesus's timing so Jesus you know he you know he his ministry lasted three years because he wanted it to last three years right I mean that's and so as you as you um, look through his ministry um, you know he he kind of gradually amps up his challenging of the of the power of the power structure of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and to the point of where he's and even in like Mark um, sometimes it's called the secret gospel because it's Mark in you know as Jesus does things and preaches and goes throughout the the region um, he always will finish with like you know don't tell anybody don't tell anybody don't don't tell anybody until it's time to tell somebody you know yeah. basically he gets to the point where he's like all right now now I'm gonna you know show you what I can do because my time on earth is coming to a close and you know, I'm going to orchestrate these things to happen uh, in accordance with <clears throat> with God's timing. And so, yeah, so here here he is, full on, look at what I can do, you know. <laughs> and that, that challenges the power, right, yeah. the power of the Pharisees, um, which is what they're all about. They don't have any power at this time. So his, historically, at this time, Israel's being ruled by the Romans. And so, you know, they don't have, I mean, they have a king, but it's it's a figurehead. It's kind of like a British king yeah. nowadays. So, you know, they, the Romans would go and invade a, invade a country, and, and, and you know, they they would, uh, if if the the ruler there was smart, they would you know pledge fealty to the Romans, and would be allowed to kind of keep their keep their place as as an authority, sort of. You know, you're basically you're a puppet for the Romans, and um, uh, you know, and then they would put in their own, you know, basically their kind of supervisors or governors. Um, and so for the Jewish people, you know, Herod's still the king, quote unquote. But then they have, you know, the religious leaders, which are the Pharisees and Sadducees. And so the, their, their pool is, is basically only in the religious realm. It's not in a political realm per se anymore. Yeah. And so, so they're, they're desperate to hold on to that power. Um, and, and Jesus uh, obviously directly is an affront to that. Yeah, and so so we're gonna now now this is taking place, and so we're gonna begin to step into to Passion Week um, where it begins um, traditionally, which is with Palm Sunday. Though you could make the argument again, it, it started with the resurrection of Jesus's friend Lazarus, um, and so Passion Week begins with the triumphant in, entry. Um, if you ever heard that, that's Palm Sunday, um, and we get. Um, so this is prophesied originally in Zechariah 9.9. It says, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's Cult. And so the triumphant entry, we see this also take place in Luke 19, 2844, um, is, is this picture of Jesus entering. Now, you, you've seen this depicted probably if you grew up in church or if you've heard stories. And so as Jesus is riding in on this donkey's colt, um, people are waving palm branches, hence the term Palm Sunday. Um, they're laying coats out and they're 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 welcoming their king. Um, one of the things Caleb pointed out a second ago is um, the the Israelites. You know they're they're occupied. Um, the the Jews are under the rule of the Roman Empire, and in their mind up until this point, and even a little bit beyond this, 
um, that the Messiah, Jesus, who they've come to recognize the Messiah, right? We had this over in John 11, um, 45 through 46. They believe um, um, who Jesus was. Um, well, they believed the wrong version of Jesus, even in this. Like, he's the one that's going to overthrow the Romans, right? He's going right. to take back Thor. He's, he's going to be this military leader, this conqueror, this, this earthly king. And so that's what they're doing in this moment is they're welcoming into the city as such, um, but they they don't fully comprehend what Jesus has come to do. And so as he comes in, one of the first things he begins to do um, is clear out the temple. Um, we see this in Luke. Um, I forgot the chapter. I didn't write it down. Um, <laughs> um, but... Um, later on in Luke, he, he begins to clear the temple for the first time. I think it's in 19 as well, 1945 through 48. Um, and he, you know, makes a whip. He's flipping tables. Um, man, he's just being being hard on him, and he begins to, to clear the temple. And so this is kind of how um, Passion Week begins um, with the passion of Jesus. You got it? I'm trying to see if I can find yeah, it. Yeah, he's trying to, like, I failed. I failed miserably. Yeah. God, I'm just knocking over stuff yeah, on my table, that. too. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but he didn't know. I'll get there. I mean, keep talking. <laughs> um, so that that's that's week or day one of of Jesus's um, time coming back, and so um, then we have day two. So this is is just amazing to me, Luke. Um, I mean, I think I messed up a lot of time. I got the second time he clears the temple. I don't even know what I'm writing anymore. Uh, <laughs> but Jesus clears the temple the second time. Um, curses a fig tree on day two. We've got this in Mark 11, um, 14. It says, um, is where Jesus uh, does the, uh, it was Mark 19, 45. So then Jesus entered the temple, began to drive out the people, selling an animal for sacrifices. He said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be a house of prayer, but you've turned it into a den of thieves. And, and again, Jesus is challenging the religious structure here. He's challenging what people, um, what they believe, what they've been doing. And he's, he's ramping things up um, because he, he already knows this, this ends with him on a cross. This ends with him um, going to the grave. And so these are all things that he's, he's beginning again to, to continue to push back against the norm. And so here we have the temple where they've, where they've been selling things. I mean, so he's, he's uprooting the entire thing, the entire power structure, everything, causing a scene. Um, and he begins to even teach there on a daily basis. And so then we go into, into day three. Um, day three is significant. Um, Jesus um, goes to the Mount of Olives, um, passes that, that fig tree again, Mark eleven fourteen through 21. It says, Jesus said to the tree, may no one eat from your fruit again. He cursed it. Um, but something really significant happens here. And it's Matthew 26, 14 through 16, where Judas, um, one of the 12 disciples, he begins um, to really conspire to have Jesus arrested. Um, and it says, how much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you? And they gave him 30 pieces of silver. From that time on, Judas began looking for the opportunity to betray Jesus. And so here we are. We're three days in to Passion Week. Um, the plot to kill Jesus is fully um, set in motion. And, and the disciples would be on high alert at the time. Um, and so this is this is a Tuesday. I mean, so from Sunday now to Tuesday, this is what we have going on. Yeah. Um, <coughs> yes, that was Luke. Uh, Luke nineteen forty five is is correct on that. Uh, if those that were they were actually wondering and wanted to look that up. So yeah. So what we're looking at, like I said, up to this point, Jesus had kind of been outside of Jerusalem because that's the center of um, uh, 
you know, the Jewish world. And But then when he does show up, he shows up um, to confront and directly confronts um, the power structure there. And so a couple of things about that. So one, you know, like so the some of the Jewish people were kind of disappointed that, you know, with Jesus coming in like on this donkey. It's like, what is this about? Because, you know, because for them, so so let's back up again in a little bit of Jewish history. So the Messiah, you know, people that uh, the Jews that don't believe in Jesus, um, they 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 feel that you know they they believe in a, in a in a forthcoming Messiah, right? Because they they understand the prophecies in the, in the Old Testament and, and in their um, the other books that they use. But they uh, that that God has. Um, is sending a Messiah to the Jewish people, and they they just don't believe that it has happened yet. Yeah. And so, um, and in at that time, though, because of they were they were, um, <clears throat> well, first the the we have what we call the Babylonian captivity, where the Jewish people were taken to Babylon, and under the rule of, of Nebuchadnezzar for seventy years. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. If you're a fan of Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, you think it applies to your life? Just that's actually the Babylonian captivity. Yeah. You just have to throw that out. Yeah. There. You don't want that. That's the. Uh, I have. Uh, I know the purposes I have for you. Uh, what it, uh, not to harm you, but for good or whatever. Yeah. But yet, Jeremiah. You don't want to have Jeremiah. But Jeremiah's purposes for your life lived <laughs> out. That's not a good yeah. thing. In seventy years, I will free you. So. Yeah. So 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 in that context you know and that's where a lot of these um, prophecies were coming coming out of at that time was during this captivity and so there and then here we are there's a 500 year gap or so between the old testament new testament and now we're occupied by the romans and so the jewish people are looking for a military messiah you know they're looking for somebody to to come and overthrow these you know heathen gentiles that have come and and defiled their their holy spaces and so you know, Jesus coming in on a donkey, they're like, what, what's this about? You know, this guy can't obviously be the Messiah. So there was, they were struggling with that, but, but obviously God's, God's kingdom is different than man's kingdom. And, he, you know, he's not talking about a, you know, a military Messiah. He's talking about salvation as far as, like, a Messiah to reconcile mankind back to, to, to himself. Somebody to come and fulfill the law, which is what Jesus says. I'm here to fulfill the law and take it away. And that, um, that salvation is not earned it's it's given and um so that's that's one thing about his his entry and then um i can't remember uh, oh and then the temple and i think sometimes we, we we don't understand what what's up with the temple why did you know what made jesus so mad to go in there and start throwing you know things around and well there's two things i want to talk about on that one real fast this I, somehow we forget this part when we talk about Jesus, because we always have, you know, hippie Jesus in yeah. our mind. Well, Jesus is just love, and he was all, it's like Jesus went in and started throwing tables over, whipping people. Like, he grabs something, starts wailing on these guys, the, the, what they call the money changers. And so, um, what they're talking about here is that in this area of the temple, people were coming in to do sacrifices. And you know, your sacrifice is some sort of animal, you know, it's a, it's a, a, a lamb or a dove or, you know, something that's clean or pure. Well, not everybody has those. And so what they would do is they come in and, and, you know, sometimes they would make a monetary sacrifice and, um, <clears throat> they would come in and, uh, they would have the, like I said, the money changers where you have to, you have to exchange your money for the money that's accepted and, um, or, you're um, bringing in, you know, something, an animal that's being, you know, uh, uh, maybe not be as clean. So you're trying to get a cleaner one. And, and so basically what they're doing, these money changers were, were using, um, 
uh, weighted scales or um, you know non-purified type money it was dishonest money practices happening right in the temple right in the outer area of the temple in which people are coming and trying to 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 do what God has commanded them to do which is to offer these sacrifices so here comes Jesus this is his house right and he sees these people doing all these dishonest things and so that's where um, you know he starts to overturn these table and run them out of this area of the temple um, but yeah we have this idea that Jesus is you know is just this like I said hippie lovey dovey uh, and he, he wasn't at all I mean, in that courtyard um I was trying to get the exact numbers. Um, you know, kind of when we think about it too, I mean, there was a point in my time where I thought of like a large lobby or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's where they put the donuts at yeah, in the, yeah. <laughs> in the I coffee. I mean, you're, you're talking about a space that's practically the size of a football field. Yeah. That, that Jesus, hippie Jesus apparently, you know, yeah. is driving people out of. I mean, just to run back and forth in that. <laughs> Would yeah. take some stamina, and would take you know a relatively masculine man um, just to to cover the ground effectively, much less yeah. to drive people out who I guarantee you didn't want to go willingly. You know, right. yeah. this is their business, this is their livelihood, and so you have Jesus coming in. How dishonest! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> these guys are a bunch of swindlers, and you know, and then yeah, they're getting tossed out by some hippie. You know, um, hey, hey man, you guys can't be here, yeah. yo. Can't you all just love each other? Yeah. But you know that's a again somehow we've allowed Christians in the in the big C church we've allowed culture to change the perception of Jesus to us and and um, man Jesus we are like well you, you know love is love and we shouldn't be confrontational we shouldn't challenge each other we shouldn't you know call each other out for for you know or or challenge the culture like this is Jesus straight up challenge yeah. the culture yeah. you know and. Um, and Jesus, Jesus was confrontational. He chose when he wanted. He was selectively confrontational. Yeah. You know, he knew when he wanted to. But I mean, he's out there calling people names. You know, a bunch of whitewashed tombs. Yeah. I mean, he, he's telling people you're dead on the inside. Basically, is what <laughs> he's telling him. And um, that's that's nice. <coughs> I don't see hippie Jesus uh, saying that kind of thing. But yeah, and he's and he's doing what he's doing here. Um, and I, and we've we've let that go, and I, I think that's a that's an important part of the Christian heritage that we should take back. And it's not to be like I said, he's selectively confrontational. It's not to go out and just be jerks to the world. But when when culture comes in and says this is we're we're gonna we're gonna push in on the boundaries that you have set for yourselves as far as like what's a man, what's a woman, what's our role in society, and we're just you know we're not we don't need to pull out the bullwhip and go to <laughs> wailing on people necessarily. That's assault, but um. You know, as Christians, it's okay to say no. We're not going to do that. We're not going to go along with this. And I, you know, my beliefs uh, tell me that this is this is what I'm going to do with my life, and and, and I'm not going to buy into to this nonsense that culture keeps pushing in on us. So, yeah. I think that's a great uh, it time is. to remind ourselves that Jesus wasn't you know hippie <laughs> hippie white Jesus that yeah, you see in your the, grandma's wall. with the temple courtyard too. One of the things, and this is a bit more of a stretch, but you know, if, if Jesus the last week is is a picture of what he's come to do, um, you know, in the temple courtyard, um, that that was a space where, you know, if you were kind of a practicing Jew even, but you weren't full blood Jewish or you weren't a priest, you know, the farther into the temple complex you went. Um, the, the more your status had to be, essentially. Right. And so the area that Jesus is even clearing out would be um, the place that, that potentially Gentiles could come and worship and everything. And so there's also a picture, I mean, and again, it's a bit of a stretch. Um, I'll be upfront with that. 
but you know, could it have been a picture of this is what I've come to do? Like everyone's now welcome here in this area. We're we're, we're clearing out the trash, um, and so it's one of the things when I read that, it's it's to me. Um, that's one of the things that that I like to think about. Though again, um, <laughs> be careful with that. <laughs> <laughs> we should make that a ceremony, right? Yeah. It's like, it's oh like, yeah, we should make it a ceremony. I'm surprised the Catholics haven't. <laughs> it's a table turning. Uh, the table so turning celebration. We get together <laughs> and set up some tables and just start flipping them over, just like Jesus did. Yeah, it sounds fun. What would Jesus do? He'd turn tables yeah, over. Turn tables. <laughs> oh man! Show up for that one. <laughs> Some whips, wailing on. I don't know. I just think it'd be funny. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm, I'm down. I'm down. <laughs> oh man. So, anywho, um, do you have anything else on that? No, I think I think we've devolved enough on that conversation. <laughs> so day four, um, day four is really great. Um, it's uh, it's Holy Wednesday, which we know pretty much absolutely nothing about. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll make some stuff up. Yeah, so we'll make some stuff up. You know, what can you do there? Now, um, well, I'm pretty sure Jesus put some ash on his head. And yeah. Now it's, oh, wait, never mind. That was 30 days before. Yeah, 30 days before. Um, <laughs> I'm starting to sound like you. You're rubbing off on Yeah, well, you're welcome. A lot. Um, so Holy Wednesday, again, we don't really know um, what took place during that. Um, anything that you come up with, speculation. Um, because we just we don't have any evidence for anything. Um, day five, though, um, things really begin to kick off, and this is an area um, of Jesus's life that we actually know a great deal about. Because um, day five is the Last Supper. It's Jesus in the upper room with his disciples. Um, you know, <laughs> it's all the way to the Garden of Gethsemane, and um, all of these things begin to take place. So in Luke. Um, 22 um we begin to see this um kind of unfold um luke 22 verse 1 the festival of unleavened bread which also called passover was approaching the leading priests and teachers of religious law were plotting to kill jesus but they were afraid of people's reaction then satan entered the heart of jesus uh judas um who was one of the 12 disciples, and he went to the leading priest and captains of the temple guard to discuss the best way to portray Jesus. Now, notice, this is actually the beginning of Luke is what we've already read about, and it took place on day three, right, when he had um, kind of got this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plot to kill Jesus. I'm going to be a part of this. Um, now, in verse 7, we've got the Last Supper. Now, the festival of unleavened bread had arrived. So, before, the festival of unleavened bread was approaching, but now it's arrived in verse 7. Um, and Jesus sent Peter and John ahead, go prepare the Passover meal so we can eat it together. Um, and so, this begins This begins Jesus' final day with his disciples. Um, this is where he's you know, going to give his final examples. He's going to later on pray, you know, to God in, in the garden. Um, he's going to be handed over. Um, we get such a great deal of context of who Jesus has called us to be here um, uh, on this final day. And it says uh, in verse 10, um, not in verse 10, 
He tells them in verse 10, he said, what do you want us to prepare? They asked him, he said, as soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you, follow him at the house he enters, say to the owner, teacher, um, the teacher asks, where's the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal um, it, with my disciples? He will take you to an upstairs, um, to a large room that is already set up. So this is where we see the 26-person um, table um, where they all just ate on one side of it. <laughs> I need a table for 26, <laughs> but there's only 13 of you. We're all going to sit on the same side. <laughs> oh, I couldn't resist. <laughs> well, that's because uh, Da Vinci was showing us the code to oh, the Holy Grail, which was right. Jesus' daughter, right? Yeah, yeah. That yeah. Was in his, it was in that painting. Yeah. If you haven't followed Dan Brown, you're like, what yeah. is he talking about? Yeah. <laughs> and in just in case you're wondering, sometimes apparently our sarcasm doesn't translate very well here. He was totally being yeah, sarcastic. I'm, I'm being, yeah, that's sarcasm. <laughs> that's the Da Vinci Code, people. If you hadn't read the book or watched the movie with Tom Hanks. <laughs> so in verse 14, it's not true. Though, <laughs> it says, When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat together at the table. Jesus said, I've been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. I tell you now, I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine, gave thanks for it. And so um, this is a picture. You know, we get the, the Lord's Supper when we have communion together as a church. This is where this comes from. So then he took this cup of wine, gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, take this and share it among yourselves for I will not drink the wine again until the kingdom of God has um, come. He took some bread, gave thanks for it. Then he broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Um, and so you, you look at this and I can't imagine being one of the disciples in this moment thinking like, what the crap is Jesus talking about? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, he'd already tried to tell them, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be handed over. You know, nobody's getting it. Nobody's fully understanding what's about to take place. Um, and then um, even in this, this is my body, which is given to you in remembrance. I mean, Jesus knows. And, and we have the, the ability to look back and say, oh, Jesus is clearly talking about the crucifixion. Yeah. Um, but it's the disciples sitting there. They, they have no idea what's about to unfold. Um, the significance of it, um, but the actual details of it, all of that's hidden from them. And here Jesus is given a picture of what's going to take place. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice to you. Um, but he, um, So we'll stop there. And so here, again, we know, we read it with the whole picture in mind, but the disciples... Um, they would have had to have been confused. I mean, I just can't imagine again sitting there. And it's like, what do you mean, Jesus? Your blood poured out, new covenant. Um, I mean, again, they would have to be fully bought in at this moment that Jesus is the Messiah to not be like that's pretty blasphemous. You're you're talking about a new covenant. Um, only God, you know, arranges covenants here, um, and and all of this is is really ramping up. He's he's telling them, this is what's taking place. This is why it's taking place. Yeah, you know, I think the most disappointing part of this passage is that Luke doesn't tell us whether or not Jesus blessed the appetizer. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. And it is very, <laughs> that would have settled the debate held amongst Christians for many years oh, afterwards. Yeah. But um, anywho, <laughs> um, you, you know, the thing is, so you're talking about, the, you know, this is a, this is kind of one of the proofs for 
for the Bible in the Gospels is that the, the disciples were fairly dense individuals, all right? And so, I mean, like, in, I mean, you know, Jesus alludes to it a number of times within the Gospels. And actually, so even leading up to this point, a lot of the conversations that Jesus has with the disciples, all of a sudden, they, his what he's talking so before this when early in his in his ministry jesus talks a lot about just how to live right what does god mean how are we supposed to live out the law that god you know what you know kind of how the jewish people are missing the boat on some of the on the law and that you know <clears throat> this is what what how we should live our lives well here during passion week if you read some of the the, the chapters before the conversation sh shifts and jesus starts talking about well who do the people say i am and he yeah. starts to allude to I'm, I'm God in the flesh, right? And he starts to talk about the resurrection. He starts to talk about what's going to happen after he's gone. You know, he's, he knows his time's approaching. And so he's starting to shift this conversation and to the point, like Aaron was talking about here, here we are at the last supper and Jesus is like, do this in remembrance of me. And they're like, remember you, you're still here. You're like, have you not been paying attention <laughs> yeah. guys? I've been talking about dying <laughs> and raising from the dead. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and um, and why this is a proof is what my original point. Why this is kind of a proof for some you know the veracity of the gospels is that it, the gospels written by the disciples. And if if you're writing a book about yourself and you missed a bunch of obvious things, you know points. You know if you're hanging around with Jesus and Jesus is like, listen guys, I'm God, <laughs> and I'm going to die, <laughs> and I'm going to be raised from the dead. And then, you're, you know, you're showing up to the Lord's Supper and you're just like, come again? Yeah. What? Well, this is how I'd write it. He would say, you know, this is my body, which is given in remembrance to you. Do this in remembrance of me. I'd be like, none of the other disciples got it. I totally understood. Right. I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> you're going to write the most flattering version of these things about yourself. And, and the disciples don't because they're so, because they understood after the fact, you know, once they, they were witness to the re resurrection, they were like, we're not, you know, we're, we're writing down, writing this down or relaying this message and, you know, is, it, you know, it, it, as it happened, the, the truth of this situation. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. I'm not going to try to make myself look good. Although John does kind of try to be a sucker. Who go, I'm the disciple Jesus loves. <laughs> Jeez, John, nobody likes you. <laughs> but, um, but, but yeah, I mean, if somebody was, if, if you're going to make this up, uh, you would you would you would definitely embellish this, and the disciples always come out of these situations, especially you know this one, and then especially after Jesus is arrested, they come out looking like fools, you know, and cowards. And um, like I said, if I was writing it, I would leave those parts out <laughs> if it wasn't true. I mean, if I'm just going to make something up, might as well make myself look good, you know. Yeah. So, um, and so. He says this after that. He says, but here at this table, sitting among you um, as a friend is the man who will betray me. So he begins to talk about Judas, right? He knows um, Jesus being God in a body. Uh, he wasn't caught off guard by any of the things taking place. Um, he knew that Judas had already um, went and then began to plot with the Sanhedrin um, to, to betray him and to hand him over. So he says, man, listen, there's somebody here among you um, who will betray me, for it has been determined that the Son of Man must die. But what sorrow awaits the one who betrays him? Um, the disciples begin to ask each other, which one of them would ever do such a thing? Then they begin to argue. I love this. Um, then they begin to argue about who's greatest. I mean, so yeah. again, you have this like significant evidence of just all right. This this has got to be legit because um, they pivot. Like Jesus just said, um, "I'm going to die." There's somebody here that's going to betray me, and they go, "Who would do such a thing?" 
I'm better than you. I wouldn't do that. Yeah. Like, it's probably you, John. You keep talking about how great you are. I bet yeah. you're the one. This is deflection. <laughs> how awkward does Judas feel at this time? You know, he's, is he looking around too? And they're like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, guys, it's getting late. I think I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to go to the bathroom yeah. <laughs> for about 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that wine went straight through That's me. That's right. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Special Jesus there was blood yeast wines. in that bread, yeah, too. Right. I've got a tummy ache. <laughs> I'm gluten-free. Somebody stuck. <laughs> um, you know, but we don't, uh, speaking of Judas and, and what's going on here, we, uh, hopefully I'm not jumping ahead. I don't think I am, but yeah, we, I we talked about it. There's no plane here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Um, if, hopefully the audience knows that by now too. But um, uh, earlier we talked about Jesus or not Jesus, Judas when he um, uh, was negotiating with the Sanhedrin. They, they he negotiated uh, to betray Jesus for thirty pieces of silver. Well, there's significance to that. And that was in the Old Testament. That's the the price of a servant, right? If you're going to sell a servant, somebody, um, or you're paying uh, paying for like, you know, if your servant gets what was it? There's a passage in uh, some prophet back in the Old Testament that if your if your slave or servant gets gored by a bull, then whoever owns the bull owes you thirty pieces of silver for the servant. Like that's how much they were worth, and so that's the significance of that. So Jesus is being is being betrayed for the cost of a servant. So anyway, I just wanted to point it out. Um, so he says, you know, then they begin to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Um, and Jesus, he makes this profound statement. Um, again, it's kind of this last night Jesus reveals so much, but uh, he said, In this world, kings and great men lorded over their people, um, yet they are called friends of the people, but among you will be different. Those who are greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Um, so he begins to just kind of lay this out um, and uh, continues to move forward. Um, and then we kind of have, um, kind of jumping just ahead just a little bit, same night again, Jesus predicts Peter's denial. Um, he goes in 31, it says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat, but I've pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. And so here we have this moment, you know, Jesus begin to lay him out. This is what's going to take place. I'm going to die, right? Um, my body's going to be given to you. There's going to be a new covenant, this, that, and the other. Somebody's, one of you is going to betray me, you know, and then, then, um, this, and this may have been, you know, kind of awkward for Peter. Like, you know, again, Jesus is talking about somebody's going to hand me over. And then he turns to uh, Peter and is like, hey, Simon, Satan's asked to sift you. Um, so when <laughs> you've repented and, and turned to me again. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know if, uh, you know, if, if maybe this was part of like Peter's like, like, what? Like, <laughs> no, um, you know, because, you know, now Jesus is making a second accusation. Is he reading it as one? Yeah. I don't know. Um, but it says, Peter said, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. Because uh, like, I can not just imagine. So yeah. But I can just imagine, you know, again, being here, hey, somebody's going to betray me. It's one of you. And then, you know, again, turning to Peter, hey, listen, bro, like, yeah. Satan's asked to sift you. Yeah. Well, Peter <laughs> should feel pretty good, though. He's like, well, if I'm just, I'm just going to deny you, I'm not betraying you. I mean, hey, it could be worse. <laughs> oh, it says. <laughs> But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even know me. Then Jesus asked them, when I sent each of you out to preach the good news and you did not have money in a traveler's bag or an extra pair of sandals, did you need anything? No, they replied. But now he said, take your money and your traveler's bag 
And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. For the time has come for this prophecy about me to be fulfilled. He was counted among the rebels. Yes, everything written about me by the prophets will come true. Um, and then it says, look, Lord, they replied, we have two swords among us. That is enough, he said. And so Jesus, again, is saying, hey, listen, all these things. And again, you just have the, the density of the disciples in the room uh, because they, they would have known all of the old scriptures and, and prophecy. Um, you know, young Jewish boys had to go and memorize Torah. Um, they, they knew these things. They've heard these things. They're familiar with the text, much more so than modern Christians are. They were familiar. playing on their phones yeah. when they were <laughs> going over Messiah prophecies. Yeah. Um, and what? so, you know, even as he's saying this, like, none of it's really clicking. Um, none of it's coming um, just to the forefront of their mind. Like, all right, he's he's going he's going to die. Um, the, this is we know it is going to end. I mean, of course, we know the whole thing here. Um, and then after this, um, it says then they accom- then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. Um, um, there he told them, "Pray that you will not give in to temptation." So they're going from the Last Supper upper room. Um, if you look at one of the beautiful things about the Gospels, is you get different pictures of events that take place. So if you look at some of the others, I think it's in Matthew where we get the picture of, of Jesus washing feet among them mm. um, and things that take place. So it's good to, if you want to get a real accurate picture of Passion Week, um, get something that's. Uh, I'm drawing a blank where it goes in chronological order. Get something that's chronologically written um, about it so you can get a full picture of this. Um, But now they're going to the Mount of Olives to pray. Yeah. um, Stone it on Caleb. I I don't know what to say right now. I mean, there's... Well, I mean, to be... I mean, really the significance here is um, most of what happened, you know, this this is... The the Last Supper is really kind of the culmination of the the peaceful time in, in... this last week and other than when Jesus goes to the Mount of Olives to pray and so yeah like we've talked about there's a lot of significant things that happen there not only is he calling everybody out I mean it's like Jesus knows he's going away and so he's going to have all those awkward conversations you're going to betray me you're going to deny me you know I'm going to you know I'm going to wash your feet (laughs) this is just going to get weird and um I mean, actually, that, that practice itself wasn't weird. It would be weird today, but that was, uh, you know, Jesus showing that. It is weird today. When people do that, yeah, today it's weird. Anything people do with feet is weird, yeah. you know. People are weird. Anyway, but back then it wasn't. And so, but the significance of that was to show that, you know, there's nobody, no one is above serving. And, you know, to to, to live the way that Jesus wants us to live is, is, is for us to serve others. And, um, and so Jesus makes sure that, you know, his last kind of, object lessons were being absorbed by his dense followers here yeah. and um uh, but you know and, and to, to hit on that point one more time because in our next episode when we're talking about um really resurrection uh that's something really to to hone in and remember is again how oblivious the disciples were in, in a lot of this stuff right in that you know, yeah, uh, Jesus is having to tell Peter, you're going to deny me. And he's like, no, I'm not. And then, you know, and then he t- he, same with this, um, when Jesus tries to wash his feet. And he's like, you're not going to wash my feet. And, you know, Jesus has some get behind me, Satan. Um, so, so, yeah, <laughs> Peter's having a rough night um, here. And, um, but just the fact that, uh, like, so and I'm going to talk about it in the next, in our next, uh, next week's episode when we're talking about the resurrection part. But that, again, Look at this is just a, 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 few, a, a few short hours, but 
before um, the uh, the crucifixion happens, and then and then just a few days before the resurrection happens, and so um, <clears throat> the the change that's going to be displayed in the behavior and actions of the uh, disciples from this moment to then is is quite astounding, and and you're going to be hard pressed to find an explanation for that other than the, the fact that they saw something incredibly supernatural, and so. So yeah, so they leave this and they go to the Mount of Olives and here Jesus is going to start to pray and Jesus knows exactly what's about to happen. And so um, Jesus' prayer is, is, you know, knowing full well what kind of pain he's about to experience and, and not only the pain, physical pain, but he understands the, the spiritual aspect of taking upon himself the entirety of, of mankind's sin to be the ultimate sacrifice for us. And so that the, the, the previous Jewish system of, of sacrifice, the sacrificial system in which we, you know, they have to sacrifice animals in order to take take away the sin and to reconcile themselves to God. Jesus is going to fulfill that once and for all for mankind. And so he's going to take upon himself the entirety of mankind's sin and understands what that means. And, and to do that, he's going to experience separation from God. And um, as, as God in the flesh, he hasn't experienced that, being disconnected from God. Um, and so he prays, you know, please, Lord, you know, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. And um, the anguish is so, as the Bible tells us, the anguish is so great that he bleeds or he sweats blood, um, which I've never done before. But I imagine that's, you've got to be pretty, pretty anguished yeah. to, to sweat blood. So it's, a, it's an actual medical condition. I looked it yes. up one time. I forget what it's called. Um, but it is just a. Uh, you know, it's brought about by a great stress. So, I mean, again, like Caleb, I've never sweat blood. Um, I mean, yeah. I can't imagine being so anguished uh, physically and emotionally in this moment that that's something that, that comes about. But um, And I, I love that we get to see Jesus' humanity in that prayer, too. I mean, if you are willing, take this cup of suffering away from me. Um, but we also get to see his obedience to the Father's will. Um, and what's great about this picture is it's, it's the same thing in, in a sense, in a greatly toned down sense that we experience, right? Um, that there's times that um, we struggle with God's will. Um, and as broken individuals and sinful men and women, we, we often choose our own will over God's. Um, but Jesus here is just, he's fully obedient to it. It's like no matter the cost, knowing the full cost, he's like, listen, um, if there's another way, let, let's do that. But ultimately your will um, be done um it says then an angel of heaven appeared and strengthened him he prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony spirit this is where we see it the sweat fell to the ground um like great drops of blood at last he stood up again and returned to the disciples only to find them asleep exhausted from grief why are you sleeping he asked them get up and pray so that you will not give in to temptation I would totally be Peter or John sleeping at this moment. It's like, wait, I don't want to pray. Had too much uh, Last Supper wine. Yeah, too much Last Supper wine. <laughs> Jesus is acting really weird tonight. Yeah. Um, I need to rethink career choice here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the night comes to like culmination to, to one degree um, here as we move forward to verse 47. It says, but even as Jesus said this, a crowd approached, led by none other than drumroll. That was terrible drum roll. Yeah. Judas. <laughs> <laughs> I have no beat, no rhythm. That's, um, that's all right. Yeah. 
<laughs> One of the twelve disciples, Judas, walked over to Jesus to greet him with a kiss. But Jesus said, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? When the other disciples saw what was about to happen, they exclaimed, Lord, should we fight? We brought the swords, like you said, <laughs> man. Those two. <laughs> two swords, 13 of us. Um, and one <laughs> struck the high priest's uh, slave, slashing off his ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. He touched the man's ear and healed him. You know what I like about this, too? It's like it's not like he picked it up. He's kind of touched it and healed. So I'm just curious. Was there still ear on the ground? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I want to ask God later on. I think uh, isn't there a different version of the gospel where he picks it up and puts yeah, it back on I like the... this version. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, I touched it. Something happened. It. Something yeah. happened. The guy has an ear back. Just that, you know, and that should be evidence again. <laughs> the disciples, obviously not fighters, you know. One, there's how many of them, and they, they only bring two swords. Yeah. Two, you got a whole dude right in front of you, and the best you can do is lop off like a bit of an ear. Yeah. Like, man. <laughs> obviously, this was not the military messiah the Jews were hoping for. No, because not at his, all. his army sucked. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, and I was, I think Judas betrayed him, and I'm. Some some biblical scholar could probably correct me somewhere, but I'm pretty sure that betraying with a kiss was actually one of the prophecies of, of, for the Messiah. I think I want to say it was, um, but I, I do think it's odd. You know, that, that was one thing. Like Judas in in the Gospel, um, he he tells you know beforehand this, this say hey say hey when we go and confront Jesus and his disciples, I'm gonna I'm gonna bit, I'm gonna let you know who he is by with by a kiss. And I'm just like Jesus, why can't you just be like. It's that one, yeah. you know, just pointing. <laughs> but apparently, it's to fulfill prophecy. So I mean, I guess, I guess you got to do what you got to do. But, yeah. I mean, I probably would just point it and say it's 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 the hippie guy in the front. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's just me. Anywho, yeah. the one that smells like goes. frankincense. He's got the sandals. That's, that's, right. that's your that's your boy. That's your man. Um, <laughs> then Jesus. Uh, spoke to the leading priests, the captains of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him. Am I some dangerous revolutionary? He asked. That you come with swords and clubs to arrest me. Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there every day, but this is your moment, um, the time when the power of darkness reigns. And um, the reason, again, Jesus said that is we, we see... On day one, right, triumphant entry, what does Jesus do? He clears the temple. And uh, scripture tells us that he, he began to teach there each day. So even on the Wednesday, you know, that we don't really have a whole lot of context, Jesus taught there at the temple that day. Yeah. Each day, Jesus taught at the temple. And the thing was, they were cowards. And so they choose to arrest Jesus in, in darkness of night, knowing that um, a public arrest would, would cause backlash, them to face backlash. It was all about maintaining their, their power. So... Public backlash, not so good for holding on to the cup of power that they were seeking. And so they do all of this in secrecy because it wasn't about what Jesus was actually doing. It was what they were doing to them. Um, mm -hmm. It's And so <clears throat> and it says, but this is your moment, the time when the power of darkness reigns. And so uh, we're going to wrap up there today, you know, as we've now went through the first few days of um, the, the last week of Jesus's life. Again, this is a an extremely um, extreme overview. Um, we could be here for hours upon yes. hours upon hours talking about the last five days. I encourage you, though, you know, especially with Easter coming up. I mean, what a great time of year to kind of lean in, read chronologically um, to get a full context and full scope of what um, had taken place for yourself. 
Um, but hopefully this answered some questions that you may have had, you know, what is, and so Friday here, the, the arrest, this is what we call Good Friday, or coming into the crucifixion, the arrest, which is where we'll pick up on the next episode. But starting Leave him hanging. Yeah, yeah. What happens to Jesus? Does he escape? Yeah, yeah, that, Does maybe. he come back from the dead? Who Find knows? out next week. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have Passion Week, which is the whole of the Easter holiday, triumphant entry, which is what kicked it off all the way down now to Good Friday, um, which is where we'll pick up next week. But um, we just appreciate you guys hanging out with us today. Hopefully you learned something. Um, hopefully you are encouraged um, by, by truth here. Be sure to check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, wherever you scroll, um, social, or, uh, our podcast, um, Apple, Google, Spotify, all of that. If you have any questions, concerns, you can reach out to us here at the church, 918-283-2221, or email us at info at cedarpoint.church. But we will catch you right back here next week on Good Friday on time that episode will drop at 7 a.m. <laughs> um, we can guarantee that yeah um, <laughs> and uh, uh, we uh, again hope that you're you're here with us to, to continue the story of Jesus so, um, <laughs> we love you guys bye, bye.